Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, 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 and welcome. This is Talk the Plank, episode 82 of Pittsburgh Pirates podcast on SB Nation's Bucks Dugout. I'm Nathan Hirsch. I'm with Jake Slobodnik. Jake, what's going on? A lot, bro. Today was uh, probably one of the busiest days I've had in a while with work. Um, clocked in at 7.30, just clocked out a couple minutes ago, as we talked about. Um. So it's it's been busy, but overall things have been pretty good, pretty consistent. Uh, baseball things are heating up, not so much with the Pirates, but uh, MVPs were announced tonight at the retort, uh, the recording of this podcast. Off seasons getting underway. Just uh, you know, it's a good time right now. How about you? Pretty good myself, and yeah, I can't think of a better way to wind down after a long day of work rather than talking about the Pirates. Totally stress free conversation. Am I right? Totally sarcastic free too. <laughs> right. And yeah, uh, as you noted, we're recording this on Thursday night, uh, November 17th. And yeah, this episode, we got a few things to talk about. I guess we can start with the 40-man roster update. Um, we talked on the last episode about how the Pirates trimmed their 40-man roster and some players were let go. Well, a few more players were let go, and it's kind of funny because we talked about some of the players remaining on the 40-man roster last week, such as Jeremy Beasley or Junior Fernandez. Well, they were designated for assignment. Beasley was released. Also designated for assignment was uh, Tyler Heineman and Manny Banuelos, which Banuelos, that's a little surprising, but, I mean, it's not a, not a huge loss. But added to the 40-man roster – uh, third baseman, Jared Triolo, catcher, Andy Rodriguez, top prospect in the Pirates system, right-handed pitcher, Colin Shelby, and right-handed pitcher and pretty highly touted starting pitcher, Mike Burrows. Any thoughts on this, Jake? I can't say I'm surprised with the people that were added. I think I'm more surprised with some of the people that weren't added. Um, we'll start with the guys that are that were added to the 40-man. Andy was obvious uh to everybody so was mike burrows um 
I think Triolo was sort of split among fans, and I think, yeah, you can go either way with him. He displays a, you know, a great bat at the plate. His defense is very, very good. Um, he's a he's a he's a utility guy who can move around the field a lot and provide you some defense everywhere else other than just third base. Um, so obviously that has some added value to him. A lot of people were surprised by Colin Selby. I was on the fence about that because I mean the guy is really really good. I watched him when he was in Altoona, and he's got some good velocity behind his pitches. Um, break. It's, it's, it's there. He's got some good break on his pitches. Obviously needs to work on some stuff. Location was a bit of a factor early on in the season, uh, but then he really improved on that. So I think he's going to be a serviceable guy for the bullpen. And considering this is a very pitcher heavy roll five draft, I think it was wise for the pirates to protect him. Um, moving over to the people that surprised me that they didn't add the big one that stands out to me was Malcolm Nunez. Um, it, it throws the question, you know, if you weren't going to protect him from Rule 5 status. And the big thing here is a lot of people say uh, first baseman slash DHs don't really go in the Rule 5 draft. It, that's not a commonplace thing to see, but that doesn't mean that it's completely out of the question. Um, I think that we could have probably added Malcolm Nunez onto the 40-man roster um, and kept him, you know, for a little bit longer. Uh, especially since, I mean, we traded for him. We traded for him this past season for Jose Quintana and the Johan Oviedo deal. Uh, it, it seemed like Malcolm Nunez was the golden sheep of that one. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, not protected from the rule five status. So it doesn't look like, you know, he was a big concern for the pirates. It almost makes it seem like they were more in for Johan Oviedo than anything, but his on-field ability, I thought that was, that was enough to get him saved. Uh, his monster power that he saw, he had over 100 RBIs. Uh, or I'm sorry, I think he was anywhere from 80 to 100 RBIs, that is, this past season between uh, Altoona and, um, and the Cardinals organization. I thought he would have been protected considering first base is a big need for us and he can play first base, but uh, clearly that wasn't the option. I think they're weighing, they're play, putting their uh, chips on him a little bit too much. Another guy I'm surprised with is Matt Gorski. You know, they just named him the top slugger in the organization. Um, and this guy, he was really, really good. Yeah, an injury sidelined him for most of the season, but that doesn't mean that nobody's going to take a, a gamble on him because he's really good. Um, obviously, they're going to be they're going to be a little more hesitant, but I thought they would have protected him a little bit more maybe and got rid of somebody. Let, let's, let's talk about the 40-man a little bit more. If we're saying that Malcolm Nunez and Matt Gorski should have been saved, I thought that maybe some of the guys on the chopping block would have been uh, Hoy Park, um, trying to think of another guy, maybe another pitcher that we don't need and is not part of the immediate future, maybe even uh, Diego Castillo. Like There are guys that are expendable that you could have got rid of to protect some of these younger stars and -and up-and-comers that can really play a factor in in the future term for the Pirates. And I think that's really surprising to me. Um, some of the pitchers that weren't protected, Tanaj Thomas and J.C. Flowers, to me, I don't think they were that great this past season to warrant them getting drafted in the Roll 5 draft. Obviously, crazier things have happened. Uh, Blake Sable kind of surprised me, uh, but I, I just watching him, I don't think that any other team would you know, give up a, 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 an active spot on the roster to you know to a guy who... Um, like many of these guys, hasn't seen above double A level. 
And he, I think Sable was more or less inconsistent this past year. He was good, don't get me wrong, but he was definitely inconsistent at times. So I don't think teams are going to wager on that. Um, Dario Lopez, he's too young. I don't think they're going to give anybody's going to give him a 40 man roster. But to put it shortly, guys that are uh, that just entered double A or are still in single A. I knew they weren't going to be protected because I don't think many people would take a gamble on them. If they did, I'd be shocked. Um, really, to me, Nate, uh, Malcolm Nunez and Matt Gorski are the ones that really surprised me. Uh, the All four of the 40-man additions did not surprise me at all, um, and neither did the cuts. Aside from uh, Manny Bonuelos, like you said, he was really serviceable out of the, out of the bullpen, he was our only left-handed pitcher, and that leaves us with no left-handed pitchers now unless we plan on going after one in free agency or the Roll 5 draft. But that's got to be a little concerning. But those are just my initial thoughts with these with, with the 40-man roster crunch and the additions that we made. Uh, if I had to give it a solid letter grade, I'd say B-, minus, maybe a C plus. Uh, the Pirates kind of showed their cards about how they felt about uh, that Jose Quintana trade where they got Johan Oviedo. It seems like at this point you could assume that Oviedo was kind of the bigger piece that they wanted and perhaps Nunez was more of a throw-in. But I'm looking right now at the Pirates' top 30 prospects according to MLB.com, and you know it always comes with a disclaimer, prospects lists don't really mean all that much. Um, I'm sure it's pretty different from how the organization itself used their prospects, but it is kind of interesting. You look at it. Nunez is the number 12 guy, according to MLB.com on the pirates prod or uh, pirates prospect list. And, you know, Matt Gorski, he's number two twenty two on that list. And you look at uh, Triolo, Jared Triolo, who was protected, uh, he's down at 24, so kind of interesting decision there by the Pirates. But overall, I mean, I don't think I don't think the Pirates are going to lose out too much. Honestly, I don't think a team is going to take a chance on Malcolm Nunez in the Rule Five Draft. He's still only 21 years old, and he he show he's shown some signs, but he still does strike out a decent amount even at the Double A level. So. I don't think anyone's really going to take a chance on him. As far as the 40 man goes, I mean, you're right. There's definitely some, there's some fat to trim with some of these players that aren't the greatest, especially on the pitching end of things. Um, you know, guys like Robert Stevenson or even like Nick Mears, they're still on 40 man roster and position player wise, Andy Rodriguez was added to the to the catchers it's only him and Ali Sanchez as far as catchers go on the 40 I don't think Ali Sanchez is someone that we'll necessarily see on the 40-man roster when the season begins and you you look you mentioned Hoy Park we'll see Uh, I can see him maybe being a bench guy for the Pirates Um, he's more organizational depth I would say they added Ryan Villade, Velade, I'm not sure, but I don't really see a lot from him in the future. So there's definitely some players that could be removed from this 40-man roster. Um, you know, as the offseason moves along and trades are made or signings are made. So I'm not I'm not too concerned. Um obviously 
the priority. You have to protect Andy Rodriguez. You have to protect Mike Burrows. But other than that, I don't really have any strong opinions either way. Uh, I'm kind of fine with how things look right now. So, yeah, kind of like you, if you want to give it a letter grade, solid B minus, B, whatever, it's fine. There's not a ton of talent, you know, on the 40-man roster as it is. So I think sometimes we get a little caught up on what could happen in the Rule 5 draft, but at the end of the day, there's not really a ton of players that get swooped away from teams. And even if they do, it's it usually doesn't turn out to be a big deal. Unless it's Roberto Clemente back in the 60s. But other than that, I'm not too worried. So, yeah, the Pirates 40-man roster is set at this point. And we'll see what happens with the Rule 5 draft. I definitely do think, like you noted, the the needs are clear. They need some left-handed pitching. Um, And we'll get to this a little bit later. But we, we have some free agents that we would that we uh, made a little list that we'd like to see the pirates go after this winter. But uh, yeah, first base, they got uh, Choi from the left-handed side. Um, I'd like to see a right-handed compliment. I think they need a corner outfielder. And of course, pitching, pitching, pitching and a catcher. But uh, yeah, I guess we can move on from the 40 man talk. Jake, you wrote an article at Bucks Dugout kind of commenting on how the Pirates had a kind of secret town hall meeting for the most valuable of fans and those fans only. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I want to preface this, and I also want to relate this to the article I wrote by saying that there's still a lot of information that we don't know about the town hall. Hence the reason I made that commentary piece, but I found it a little disgraceful and kind of like a slap in the face to the general public. You know, the constant fans that pack PNC park about a quarter of the way. Um, (laughs) But like, you know, we surf, we see reports, Jason Mackey. I want to use him as an example because I respect the guy. He is probably one of, if not the best, Pirates reporter in Pittsburgh. He's down the middle. Yeah, he asks the tough questions, but he's not going to put you on the spot or corner you and make you look like a jackass. I respect Jason. But the fact that they closed off the town hall to reporters, even including Jason Mackey, it's a little distasteful. And the reason I say that is because town hall meetings, you normally want to open that up and answer any questions that the public has. And to me, not only do I see this as um, a very big slime move by the organization itself, I also bring into question team president Travis Williams. Because, Nate, I don't know if you know the exact number. I know I don't. But we could probably count on one hand the amount of times Travis Williams has been seen in the public since he was hired, what, in 2020? And... The only the last time I can recall is whenever they had that chillmobile introduced. So he only picks and chooses when he wants to be in the limelight, and that's really only because it was a positive setting. So he's trying his best not to look like a jag in front of the Pirates faithful. But yet he he is part of that board that decided to limit the amount of people in attendance at that town hall to only season ticket holders. And the reason I have nothing against people who buy season tickets. If you have the money, great. If you have the time to go to these games, great. 
no qualms there. What I have a problem with is they limited it to the amount of people that consistently give, you know, shove money in the pirate's face, knowing damn well that their product is not the best out there. And the only reason they do that is because they're not going to ask the hard hitting questions. These aren't the people that really truly care about the team. And if they do, they're not willing to st- to step up and say what's on their mind to ownership because they want to be the peacemakers. They want to be the, you know, the people that don't have any qualms. They just want to be, they want to be status quo and that's okay. But the public that doesn't buy season tickets really analyzes the team like you or myself or even the people that listen to Talk the Plank or other media outlets. They want to know the hard truth. Well, they omitted that. They did not allow them in to ask questions. Now, playing devil's advocate, this could be something where, you know, this is meant to be fun. This is meant to be a thank you for the the season ticket holders. And there's nothing wrong with that. But don't call it a town hall. Call it a season ticket Uh, back party or something, you know, something that doesn't give you the indication that it's supposed to be a public event when it's really not public. And another thing that I absolutely hated, and this is quoted in the article that I wrote, they, they, they took questions from the season ticket holders, but they didn't have an open floor the way, according to uh, this one guy, Don, who went to the, who is a season ticket holder and went there He had to write his question when he RSVP'd. That is kind of weird to me, and it makes it seem like that's a a way for the Pirates' management to sort of eradicate the terrible questions. And by terrible, I mean the ones that actually matter in terms of where are we going and where is the state of this franchise at. They're getting rid of those and asking, you know, trying to find the more uh, fodder, if you will. And reverting back to Travis Williams, he made comments during this. You know, he said, we're trying to win 83 games and not we're going to try to win at least 83 games or the, the base goal for us is to win 83. Obviously, the World Series is still a big factor for us and we would like to get there. No, he just flat up said 83 wins is our goal. Like, why? Why not? If you're going <laughs> to... I'm trying to find the correct words for this. If you're going to try... And sell to us that, you know, the pirates are in a a terrible state, but yet, you know, everything's fine. Everything's fine. At least put on the facade that you have world series ambitions because that's what, that's what's been happening. And don't give us a flat number, especially after a 62 win, 100 loss season. That is the worst thing you can do right now. If you said at least 83 wins, great. That at least shows a little bit more clarity. And the ironic thing is they were pleading transparency in this, which I don't see any transparency. It's almost like an oxymoron and that they contradict themselves. I don't, I don't understand it. And then oh, he said something. Oh yeah. He said he, we want to uh, improve payroll. And normally you get the indication that they want to increase payroll, but knowing the pirates, they say improve payroll as like a shield word. They say that to, as like a cover your ass method. They're not actually trying to, to increase it. They could be improving it in terms of stability, trying to pay, you know, even out player salary with front office staff. You don't know what they're trying to do to quote unquote, improve salary. That doesn't mean they're going to go out and sign top free agents or free agents at all for that matter. Um, really, there's just a big gray area. Ironically, in a place where the public is supposed to get the most transparency and, I wouldn't be so red hot over this 
if there was an end of the year news conference with Charrington, with Shelton, and with Williams. If there were if there were news conferences about this sort of thing, um, I'd feel a little bit better about this, and I wouldn't, you know, think that this is some dirty trick for the fans. But considering they a made you RSVP, b limited it to season ticket holders only, and then uh, didn't even allow the media to be there. Because you could have went there as a media personnel, just took pictures and said, this is what the Pirates did for their season ticket holders. You could have done that. No, they, they exclude them completely. And what, what struck me from what Jason Mackey said is they didn't even invite the media. They Because he even said, he's like, if they would have invited us, we would have been there. They deliberately kept out the people that ask the hard questions that will put them on the spot, all for a few laughs, and a few smiles from their from the people that will repetitively buy season ticket plans without even caring if the team is going to the World Series or not. It's 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 such a slap in the face to the fans, and um, I, I don't understand why they feel that this would help anything at all. If anything, it makes them look a little bit worse. But it, it begs the question, Nate: What are they hiding? What what are they? trying to do to pull one over on the fans. And I've tried giving them the benefit of the doubt in all the scenarios I've played in my head, but not once can I find a silver lining in this. This all seems very, very. Uh, you know, public backlash is that this organization from the top down does not give one ounce of crap about optics or how anything looks. Um, so, yeah, honestly, they, they just probably thought we'll do this for our uh, season ticket holders. It'll be extremely controlled and, like you noted, no hard-hitting questions, no critical questions will be asked, and it'll just be something to make the season ticket holders kind of feel a little bit more important that they get to come to this secret closed off meeting the the not letting the media thing in is it is pretty baffling but i mean sketchy pirates activity just does not surprise me at all ever so none of this really surprises me as far as uh travis williams 83 wins comment i mean yeah i I don't think it's very smart to put a number on anything ever i definitely he could have been a little more vague and just said, yeah, we want to improve our win total significantly in the 2023 season or something like that. Not to say, oh, yeah, our goal is to be a slightly above average team with 83 wins. But, uh, I mean, once again, at the end of the day, it's just it's a whole bunch of who cares. Um, like he's the president. He's a team president. He's the epicenter of information. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Travis Williams is just Bob Nutting's personal accountant for this organization. Uh, he pretty much keeps track of the numbers, the business operations, and, you know, it's pretty much is the holder of the budget of the amount of money that Bob Nutting does not want to spend. So I, I don't, I mean, at this point, you know, hopefully the payroll increases it it almost has to but yeah i i don't know is 
is Pirates Fest even a thing this year? Because, you know, as we know, there used to be an open Q&A forum for all fans at Pirates Fest where they could ask front office questions. And, you know, the you know how front offices are. They give their answers that are extremely vague and don't really add much information except the bottom line of we want to improve. We want to be better. Blah, 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 blah. We're trying to be better every day. This, our goal is to win a world championship, blah, 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 blah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's sketchy. You can think however you want about it, but with Bob nutting as this team's owner, this, this much is certain. They want to win on their terms, and their terms are extremely cheap budgeting, not a high player payroll, uh, no big-time free agents, no high salaries. It's just hopefully you catch lightning in the bottle with your young players within the first six years of their um, you know, service time when they're cheap, you know, as far as the Pirates hopes go, hopefully O'Neill Cruz is a superstar. Hopefully Andy Rodriguez is a superstar. And perhaps you can get lucky, get to October, get hot at the right time and win a world championship. But yeah, I mean, that's just, that's just the Pirates way. And we've known this and it's, it's, it's sketchy for sure, but that's just how it is. And it's, it's, as long as Bob Nutting is the owner of the Pittsburgh Pirates, just continue. You'll continue to see things like this. And uh, yeah, they they don't want to hear criticism right to their face. It's fine. The public can have their own, you know, opinion of the Pirates from the outside, but they don't want to hear it right, right to their face. So that's just kind of how it is. Yeah. And to summarize, Williams seems like nothing's yes, man. Like you said, he's not going to come out and publicly say anything. He's just told to do what he wants. And then he'll go in back into factory settings at night to charge up. And to answer your question about pirates fest, there's probably a reason why they did away with it. And COVID is going to be that mask that they put on it. Like you said, the fans are going to go in and ask the hard hitting questions that they're just going to give general and vague answers to. That's probably why they stopped it. Obviously COVID did have a reason in it, but every time they, that somebody's going to ask that they're just going to throw COVID in their face and say, Hey, this is, you know, COVID wiped it away. We, it's going to be hard to get back up with all the sponsorships and all the engagement, which is such bullshit because they can absolutely do it, <clears throat> but that's going to be the mask and facade. They throw up. They have a scapegoat. That's the word I think we've been trying to look for here this entire time is scapegoat. And it, I don't think it's ever going to come back. I don't think we're ever going to get transparency from this front office. And uh, earlier this week was a good example. Yeah. And uh, this is kind of a tough transitioning because we want to talk about some free agent targets that we think the pirates should go after. But at the end of the day, uh, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it. I actually have a few questions for you in terms of pirates spending this off season and we'll just do it. Uh, it's just general free agent questions. I'll ask you, Will the Pirates sign any free agents to a multi-year deal this offseason, yes or no? I think they're going to sign maybe one, and that's going to be a pitcher. I, I I don't fully trust Ben Charrington with what he says, but considering he never gives transparency and he actually came out and said, we're looking to sign pitchers, especially to multi-year deals, 
I I tend to believe it. I think it's only going to be one. It's obviously not going to be a blowout. It's going to be like that AJ Burnett, Francisco Liriano signing. You're like, oh, it's a good pitcher. It's not an ace or anything like that, but they'll sign him. They may be at max, I would say two years. They're really going to make that multi-year stretch the line. But I think. Once again, I'm in the camp of I'll believe it when I see it with this new front office regime. And my other question to you is over under $10 million total in a contract that the pirates will give this off season. And just keep in mind that last off season, I believe the highest total contract given out was like two and a half million or 3 million. It actually, no, I think it was Roberto Perez at about 5 million one year. So over under 10 million total dollars given out mm. for a contract this winter. I'm going to be optimistic and, and I want to preface this and I probably should have with the last one. I'm going to preface it by saying, I will believe it when I see it. Cause obviously I don't believe it, but I'm going to see, I'm going to be optimistic a little bit. I'm going to say, sure. They sign that same person who signed the multi-year deal, more than $10 million. They're going to try to maybe put their, you know, put all their ducks in a row with this one player as like their Guinea pig to see if he'd be the, you know, the revolving or not the revolving door. What am I thinking of? Be that centerpiece for the pirates, be that veteran leader. They're going to put all their chips on him. I'd say we do see one at least. Okay. All right. Well, I put together a list of five potential free agents that I would like the pirates to sign. I don't know how many you have on your list. Um, I got five. five as well. Perfect. I'll let you start then. And, um, you know, if, if, we, if our lists kind of overlap, we can let each other know. And yeah, let's just, let's just start. Who's your, who's your first guy in no particular order, but who is someone that you would like to see the pirates target this off season? All right. So let's start with the obvious sports illustrated wanted them to the pirates. CBS sports wanted them to the pirates. I want them to the pirates. Sean Manaya. The guy has been linked by so many of so many people on Pirates Twitter. He had pretty much a pretty bad season last year, so his value is a little bit lower. He had a career loan ERA, second career loan whip. He was a minus one eighteen WAR according to spot uh, to spot track one point eighteen, I should say. So his market value is just over eleven million dollars. But I think the reason that he had a bad season last year, he might be able to come down a little bit on that price, and I think he could be. You know, the Pirates need starting pitching. That's a must. They need a left-handed starter. Really, all the all the cards are and stars are aligning for the Pirates to go get Sean Manaya. They need a left-handed pitcher. They need somebody good. So he can come in, be that reclamation project. He might break that chain of guys who come in after struggling, turn their career around. So he might actually stay. I think um I think that's the most blatant one that I think myself and everybody wants. Um do you want to take it one by one or do you want me to go down my entire list? Now we'll go one by one. And I also have Manaya on my list as well. As you noted, kind of a down year in 2022. Um, he did have the 1.1 F4, but in 2021, it was 3.2. His strikeouts were a little bit down um, this season. His ground ball rate was a little bit down, but kind of as we noted on the last podcast a little bit, PNC Park would be the f- perfect fit for him. Um you know, if if he's a guy that wants to maybe build up some stats, honestly, f- for some of these pitchers that have had down years, Pittsburgh's kind of the perfect spot to reinvigorate your career. I mean, you look at Quintana, 
He was great last year. Tyler Anderson just got a multi-year deal from the uh, Los Angeles Angels, three years, 40 million, I believe. And he came to the Pirates on a one-year, you know, less than $10 million deal two years ago. So someone like Sean I mean, if if he wants to take a little less money one year, one year maybe, you know, I would assume it would take $10 million to get a guy like him. Um, I'm looking at it right here on uh, MLB trade rumors. They have their top 50 free agent list and they have Shaman Nye. Let me see here. I'm scrolling. They have him as the 17th best free agent and their predict prediction for him is four years, 52 million. Um, I don't think the pirates would do that, but you know, maybe if Benai wants like a, a one plus one year, like maybe two years, 20 million, something like that with a player option after the first year, that's something the Pirates could potentially do if they want to spend any money at all. Once again, we preface everything with, I'll believe it when I see it. But yeah, no, I think that should definitely be a target for the Pirates. I agree. He's also on my list. Plus, I think it would get more butts and seats at PNC Park if they bring in a notable name like Manaya, but. Uh, then again, <laughs> what do I know about packing a ballpark? Um, second one I have is uh, another pitcher, this one from the right-handed side. And there's a reason about this. I wrote this in an article I wrote for Bucks Dugout. I have a right-handed pitcher, Joe Ross, um, <clears throat> former first-round pick, which is something that Charrington absolutely loves, especially getting them at little to no cost. The reason I say he'd be cheap as all get-out uh, he's coming off his second Tommy John surgery. I know I can hear your groans behind the screens, all you listeners out there. But um, <laughs> that really lowered his free agent stock. And honestly, it took me a while to find him on the free agents list. And that makes him prime trade bait candidate. I know we hate seeing that recycled, but if we want, you know, if we want to try to maybe balance out guys who stick around after their first year versus guys who are trade bait, Joe Ross is a perfect candidate. Um, <clears throat> Washington manager Davey Martinez. Verbally said that he wants him back, and uh, his deal in 2022 is worth $2.4 million. Uh, so obviously there's a little bit of competition there, but I think that's something that the Pirates can easily manage. That's not a bad not a bad pick at all. Uh, you, I would probably see him as like the Pirates' third starter, something like that. Um, my second guy is also a pitcher, also from the left side. I'm really stressing left-handed uh, starting pitching with this list. And I'll just say on my list, I have two pitchers and three position players, but uh, this is my second pitcher. It's basically a cheaper version of Sean which I think is much more realistic. Uh, this guy had a really quite frankly, terrible 2022 uh, with the reds and the reds actually turned down uh, their mutual option. It's Mike minor. Um, the mutual option for 2023 was going to be $13 million. So the Reds didn't want to pay that. So, you know, right off the bat that it would be a cheap contract. I think Mike minor kind of falls into the Tyler Anderson, Jose Quintana um, bucket as far as someone who has had success in the past left-handed, but is coming off of a really down season in 2022 with the Reds uh, minus 0.4 F war, the ERA was 6.06 in 98 innings pitched. Strikeouts were way down. Walks were up. 
Um, but in 2021 with the Royals, he was a two-win pitcher. The ERA was also high that season, 5.05, but he was a bit unlucky. And uh, he, honestly, he hasn't had an ERA below five since 2019 when he was with the Texas Rangers. But that season, he was worth four wins as a starter. I just think uh, he's he's older. He is 34. He's going to be 35 before the season starts. But if there's any gas left in the tank with Mike Miner, I think the Pirates could easily get him for a nice Tyler Anderson, Jose Quintana type deal. One year, less than $5 million. You stick him in the middle of the rotation and you see if Oscar Marine can work his left-handed magic with him. Yeah, I mean, hey, if he did that with Tyler Anderson, in fact, going back to Anderson, side note, I really feel like his stop in Pittsburgh is sort of what rejuvenated his career to the point where he started to be. Yeah, turned his career around. Yeah, and, sure. and I think a lot of people, like you said, look at Pittsburgh as a place to rejuvenate their career. Mike Miner is a perfect candidate for it, and it feels a need for a left-handed pitcher. I can't, I can't wager about how long he would stay, whether he would be a, a flip candidate at the deadline or he would actually be a mainstay for at least the season. But... Yeah, I mean, if he's getting up there in age, his numbers aren't the greatest. Take a waiver on him if you can. If you can put him down low in the uh, rotation a little bit, have him work every fifth day or something. Um, I think that'd be a great option, especially if you can get him for a very affordable contract. I, I like that decision with Mike Miner. Hopefully, they can you know do that. I was actually looking at him on my free agent list, but I again that I think it was that age factor that sort of turned me off of him. But um, the way you describe it, I think. Yeah, and I mean, once again, this team is in desperate need of veteran leadership, and I think he could help fill that role. All right, who's your third guy? My third guy is an outfield candidate because a lot of people have been uh, tossing around the idea of outfielders that the Pirates could sign. Uh, This guy hit National League Central pitching very, very well when he was with Cincinnati. And uh, it's Tyler Naquin. I feel like a natural center fielder would be able to allow Brian Reynolds to move back to left because there's a lot of speculation that G1 Bay could kick him out of center field. Um, But even if he doesn't play center, you put him in right field, that still gives you another solid corner outfielder um, to complement Bay and Reynolds out in the outfield. And like I said, he hit NL Central pitchers very well. And considering the state of NL Central pitching has only decreased over the past couple of years. um, And with that, you know, the hitter-friendly right field for Tyler Naquin, I feel like Pittsburgh just makes way too much sense if they can afford him to bring him on. for. The- yeah, that's not a bad pick. It uh, definitely would provide some pop in that lineup. And if, if he was on the team, he'd probably be the number, you know, five hitter on opening day. I guess the only issue I would have with that a little bit is that uh, Ben Sherrington has recently talked about how um, you know, the the lineup offensively is extremely left-handed and Naquin is um, a left-handed hitter. But honestly, I wouldn't mind a player like that coming with the Pirates regardless of, you know, his handedness. Um, that's a solid pick. My outfielder pick, I also have an outfielder. Um, power threat. And he is really solid defensively. He's spent the last few seasons with the Atlanta Braves. Two years ago, 2021, he hit 38 home runs, drove in 113 runs. Last season, um, 
pretty down offensively, but he only had 315 plate appearances. I wouldn't mind this, seeing the Pirates add Adam Duvall as their, we'll say, opening day left fielder. Uh, he's pretty solid defensively, even though he hit 213 last year and had an 87 WRC+. plus. He was still worth almost one win F war two years ago, two and a half wins is what he was worth. Strikes out a lot. Doesn't get on base particularly well, but he is a power threat. And once again, I'm just really stressing veteran leadership. Duvall is 34 years old. Once again, this is a guy that you could probably add on a one year deal. Maybe, Maybe in the $10 million-ish range. Honestly, maybe cheaper. I'm not exactly sure, but I think he would be solid. He crushes lefties. He would uh, add the right-handed bat that the Pirates supposedly are looking for. So I I like Adam Duvall. Yeah, and he does fit that vibe well that Charrington talks about, trying to get some variety with right-handed batters in there. Um, I remember a couple of years ago when I was working with another podcast for baseball, I had an opportunity to talk with Craig Mish, the Marlins reporter, and he was all about Adam Duvall. Uh, this was before he really fell off. It was whenever all that hype was surrounding him. Um, he, he was very high on him. He expressed a lot of power behind Duvall's swing. He made consistent contact at the time. As you said, he's a solid defender. Um, <clears throat> again, I, I feel like this is a move that makes too much sense for the Pirates not to yeah, and worst case with him, too, he could be kind of like a platoon partner with someone like um, Jack Sawinski. So we'll see. Uh, that's that's my third pick. Um, I'll let you go on with your fourth pick. Okay, so my fourth pick, it's a right-handed uh, relief option. Uh, bullpen <clears throat> might need a little bit of, I guess, bolstering is probably the right word to say, if you can even count this guy with that. But I think Trevor May might be able to be a nice late-inning guy, push uh, Will Crow to the um, more long-relief role. Because Will Crow, obviously overuse, plagued him last year, but I feel like setup just wasn't his um, vibe. He's more of like a seventh-inning guy, maybe a long-relief if we need him. But uh, May didn't have the greatest year with the New York Mets, bringing his um, his stock down a little bit. Um and I mean, really, this is a bullpen where you can only add to it. You really can't make it even worse. Um, and he's expected to sign for around $7.7 million this season. I feel like he can be talked down to that, um, especially if Charrington sort of lays out his plan, like, hey, this is going to be your role. Or maybe he even, he even is worth that because of the role he'd get. But overall, I feel like he'd be a nice little uh, piece for the Pirates. Yeah, and uh, although I don't have any bullpen Pitchers on my list here, I do agree that uh, bullpen help is greatly needed, and I would not mind seeing someone like Trevor May uh, added to the Pirates, obviously at the right price. It always comes down to that disclaimer. Um, All right, my fourth guy is a first baseman. Once again, right-handed hitting. He could be... A platoon option with G-Man Choi, who we should note had uh, surgery on his elbow, I believe, but should be ready by spring training. Just want to throw that in there. But uh, this first baseman, he was with, he's been with the Marlins the past few seasons. Um, I guess he got traded last year, but I'm not sure where he went because uh, Fangraphs doesn't tell me. Anyways, 
Um, pretty down season in 2022, minus 0.4 war. Um, power's down a little bit. The bat was down. But it's Jesus Aguilar. Uh, he hit 16 home runs last season. The on-base really fell off. His walks really fell off last season, and he struck out more. But once again, this is a pretty you know, heavy hitting first baseman that he could be a platoon option with Troy. You could stick him at DH. He would definitely slot in the middle of the pirates order immediately. Once again, he's a little older, 32 years old, uh, adds a veteran presence. I would not mind the pirates adding Jesus Aguilar. And once again, he would be cheap. Yeah, and I've been high on Jesus Aguilar for years. Uh, I think it was actually <clears throat> before he went to the Marlins, um, a lot of people thought that the Pirates were going to either pick him up or trade for him. I forget what exactly that whole ordeal was, but I think he was linked to the Pirates years ago, and I, I still think he could provide that, like you said, power first baseman slash DH bat to the Pirates lineup that would fill a need, that would give a nice platoon to G-Man Choi at first. I, I don't know why, but I feel like they're going to try to platoon Andujar with Choi at first. That just that just feels like you know something that the Pirates would do is instead of bringing in all the help, let's just try to move guys around. But that's beside the point. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think Aguilar would be fine. Um, obviously, trying to rejuvenate his career. We've spent time and time talking about you know players coming to Pittsburgh to rejuvenate their career. I feel like he could do that here um, <laughs> with a little bit less. I, with a disorganized organization, I guess. I don't know. That Marlin, the Marlins are in pretty bad shape right now, but so are the Pirates. So, um, uh, yeah, but overall, I think the Pirates could afford him. I think they, they it, it would be a nice low-risk, high-reward move by signing Aguilar. Yeah, and uh, he was with Baltimore last year. That's the other team he was on. And he, he struggled there as well. But, yeah, like I said, I mean, the guy can hit lefties – um, he'll get you at least a dozen home runs. He'll provide a little bit of power. And uh, I feel like he would be a nice little ad for the pirates. All right. I'll just go with my last one here. And I actually don't have a name. It's gotta be a catcher though. And I thought that I would just go through, you know, the list of free agent catchers here kind of with you and do a little bargain shopping. Uh, obviously Roberto Perez, he's probably, he's probably the guy the pirates want to bring back. Um, it seems like he was a good guy in the locker room last season, even though he didn't play all that much. Maybe you bring him back on like a two year, $8 million deal type thing. But there are some interesting names outside of, uh, Roberto Perez, I've always liked Gary Sanchez. I've always been a sucker for Gary Sanchez. I just like the idea of a power hitting catcher that can hit the ball 450 feet. He's a free agent. Omar Navarez is a free agent. Uh, Christian Vasquez, fresh off of his World Series ring with the Astros, free agent. Tucker Barnhart, Mike Zunino, he's got some pop as well. Is there any of these catchers that kind of catch your eye more than another. I like the pun. I, I should say Wilson Contreras, but you know, that's never going to happen. Yeah. I like the pun that you put in there too. If they would catch my eye, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not intended. <laughs> um, well, I think it's a guaranteed that Roberto Perez is going to be back. 
Uh, we mentioned it in multiple podcasts. Charrington likes him. The players like him. He likes Pittsburgh. God knows why, but he does. Um, and both sides were willing to for a reunion this coming season. So I feel like that'd be the the top choice that the Pirates are going to make. But out of that list, aside from Perez, I feel like um, something tells me like Omar Narvaez or Christian Vasquez would be the two that I would put my chips on with um, maybe Vasquez getting uh, – well, maybe more Nar- Nar- Narvaez because he's a left-handed hitting catcher, um, can make contact, not the greatest in the world, but um, he's, you know, he's seen plenty of National League Central opponents, obviously being with the Brewers. Um, I feel like he'd be over top of Vasquez and I feel like he could, you know, obviously catchers can sign at a very low rate because of their injury proneness. But, um, I feel like Narvaez would make more sense than Vasquez, but I don't see either of them completely out of the question. I think it all comes down to if they actually pull the trigger and sign Perez, because I feel like if they do, then we're going to see, I, I feel like there might actually be two catcher signings, Perez and Narvaez, uh, you need that right-left combination. We all know Ali Sanchez and Andy are not ready for the MLB yet. Andy, you can make an argument for it, but we all know they're going to manipulate the, the hell out of his service time. So he's not going to be up for a while. Um, but I, w- I would say uh, Narvaez and Vasquez, aside from Bebo, catch my attention. Yeah, aside from Perez, which I agree, I think he's going to be the guy. I think I would prefer Christian Vasquez just for the plain fact that he seems like he is the type of catcher that can really handle a pitching staff and lead kind of a younger rotation and uh, kind of get the most out of them. So I think Vasquez would be my pick if it's not going to be Perez. But Perez kind of does the same thing, and he's already been with the organization for a season. Even though he hasn't played all that much, he's kind of built up you know, rapport with some of these pitchers. So – I think he'll be back, and I I don't mind that one bit. All right, one last thing. I kind of just thought of this on the fly. I have not talked to you about this at all, but uh, just give me one name of the free agents, kind of like your pie-in-the-sky dream free agent that might cost a little bit of money. I'm not talking Trey Turner, Carlos Correa-type money, but in the one-in-a-billion chance that the pirates open up the wallet just a little bit maybe this guy signs for you know he he's a 15 to 20 million type guy i once again preface this with this will never happen but it's fun to dream what's one guy like that that you would love to see to see the pirates bring in well you said no carlos correa or trey turner money but what about aaron judgment i'm kidding (laughs) <laughs> yeah right. There's no way. I wish. Trust me. If that's why, whenever you said dream free agent signing, I was immediately thinking Aaron Judge. But that is not happening. What dream? But like, not totally unrealistic. <laughs> hey, man can dream if he wants. Um, <laughs> yeah. Trying to think. I uh, I don't know if he was signed yet. I don't think he was. I would say Jose Abreu. I think he'd be a solid first base compliment for G-Man Choi. Obviously, he'd be the starting first baseman every day, but a nice right-handed power bat. Obviously, he's going to cost a little bit more. His market value, wow. His market value is at $12 million, which surprises me. But um, considering he's still a very, very quality first baseman, man, I'd love to see the Pirates open open their wallets and sign Jose Abreu to be that uh, that complimenting first baseman for G-Man. 
Yeah, I think Abreu would be perfect. Uh, he'd be a perfect fit, and he would definitely maybe he'd split time at first base in the field, but he would definitely be in the lineup every day. He could fill that DH role just you know perfectly. And I will note that MLB trade rumors, their prediction uh, of Jose Abreu, who they have ranked as their 19th best free agent this season, they have him at two years, forty million dollars. Um, and you know, some people think he'll go to the Cubs, Mariners, Twins. That's what MLB trade rumors has. I would love to see that. Uh, my similar pick. He's actually the twentieth rated free agent on MLB trade runner rumors, and that's Mitch Haniger. They have him three years, thirty nine million. Once again, uh, that's the magic number for the highest free agent signing in Pirates history when they signed Francisco Liriano to three years, 39 million. And if you remember, they uh, dumped his salary in the, it was either second year or final year of that contract. I don't remember exactly, but it was three years, 39 million. Mitch Haniger, awesome fielder, uh, stick him in right field, left field. I don't know. He provides pop. He would slot right in the middle of that lineup 25 home run power at least. And uh, I don't know if the pirates could somehow pull it off two years, 30 million, something like that. I would absolutely love to see it, but it's fun to dream. Yeah. And cry at the same time. But I, I agree. I think, I feel like Haniger could be a very solid option. I know a lot of pirates fans want him. And I mean, you and I both want him. So, Oh, Charrington nutting, please open the wallet a little bit, spend some, Spend some money on some talented free agents. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, You know, we'll be back in a week. Hopefully the Pirates give us something to really talk about. But, yeah, we'll see what happens. (laughs) The offseason, although I like the Choi ad, um, I'm not too optimistic after the secret town hall meeting, as as we kind of really touched on here. But... (laughs) Yeah, Jake, uh, we'll be back next week. Is there anything else you want to add before we sign off? No, sir. I'm with you. I hope the Pirates give us something good to talk about next week. If not. Yeah, I agree. And uh, where can we follow you on Twitter if Twitter still exists by next week? I don't know what the hell's going on with Twitter, but if it is here (laughs) tomorrow, you find me at underscore radio, Jake. You can follow me at Nathan underscore Hirsch. You can also follow Bucks Dugout at Bucks Dugout. Uh, We got the content pumping out all your Pirates needs daily. And, yeah, we'll be back next week talking Buckos like we noted. Hopefully they give us something to talk about. All right, Jake, have a great rest of your day. And to all the listeners, have a great rest of your day as well. Peace out.